Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Brand Builder Show. And if you want to run Facebook ads successfully in today's climate, uh, then this is the episode for you. We're going to talk all things Facebook ads or meta ads, maybe we should call them. Uh, and to talk about that, we've got Nigel Thomas on the show. Nigel, welcome to the Brand Builder Show. Pleasure to be here, Ben. And yeah, hopefully we can get some you know, golden nuggets out there for the audience today. Um, but I'm really happy that you brought me along and looking forward to having a conversation. You put me on the spot. And like <laughs> I said, let's get some insights out for the market here. Definitely. And in a crazy little small world, we just found out that you grew up about a mile from where I live right now in Manchester, England. So that's pretty, pretty crazy. I, I recognized that uh, English accent as soon as you jumped on the call. Yeah, and, uh, just my, my mother's my mother's been telling me then that I'm starting to sound American. But you know, a man, a Mancunian always spots another Mancunian. So by That's the way, it. I didn't ask you before we started if, if you're into football, if you're a red or a blue, but mm. I'm a blue. So I don't oh, know if this okay. is gonna be the end of this episode. Stop the recording, stop the recording. Uh, I, I thought you were gonna offer some value and then you say that, That's unbelievable. <laughs> I was actually in Istanbul to watch a Champions League final with my dad and brothers. So Brilliant. that was a moment, man, but uh, derailing the conversation here. I do feel yeah. sorry for you. I watched it through uh, through my fingers. I watched the Champions League final as the uh, the, the treble uh, ownership kind of drifted away into the distance. Anyway, yes, um, hopefully this season will be a bit better for us as uh, Eric Ten Hag is splashing the cash. But anyway, let's talk uh, let's talk Facebook ads. Uh, Nigel, give us a bit of your background. Uh, you know, you've been all over the world and you've been running you know marketing uh, operations for a long time. Bring the audience up to speed with what you do and and why this is uh, your niche topic. Yeah, so it didn't always start out in marketing agencies, Ben. I actually was a cost manager in a big construction consultancy called Acom. That was at the time, you know, 26 years old, which is about five, six years ago now. And I thought my big idea was I'm going to be a quantity surveyor. By the way, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, is people who count bricks and tell their clients how much money they've lost on their projects. So as you can imagine, they're a fruit, fruitful bunch of people. Not really everyone hates their life, but my idea was to essentially go and build up a big tax-free salary in Dubai and then come back, buy a property portfolio in the UK and sail off into the sunset. Once I found out that my life would suck doing this job and I'd have to just stick it out for a few years, I just realized it wasn't for me. And at the time, obviously, Facebook ads was just taken off back in kind of, you know, that 2017 era. So I started doing a bit of freelancing on the side and I quite quickly got a few clients through a platform called Upwork. And that's when I realized if I'm going to make some real money here, I need to go directly to the clients, to the brands. So that's what I did through cold email. And that's where I learned a bit about sales, so on and so forth. You know, this is now the third agency that I've been a part of. And our name's Alpha Inbounds. You know, we work with seven and eight figure direct to consumer brands, predominantly in the health and wellness space. And we don't only just do Facebook ads because um, what we'll talk about today is it's more about the content and also the landing pages as well as what happens inside the actual platform itself. So we build all the content, you know, we shoot all the video scripts, all that kind of stuff. We do all the ads inside of Meta. Also, we do TikTok and Google. And we also create customized landing pages. So essentially, all levers that we can pull on acquiring new customers from a paid performance perspective, we now control. 
So that gives us a big competitive advantage in the marketplace. And now, you know, I joined this agency two years ago. I'm the CEO. There's also another partner in the business who handles all the client strategy, Josh. We work with just US clients. And we've got to that point now where we can work with those kind of mid-market brands in that five to 50 million range. We've just redone all of our operations and we're looking to get to that, you know, next level and scale really as an agency. So yeah, I've learned a lot over these last few years. I've made a ton of mistakes. We must have spent between me and Josh and our team over a hundred million dollars on ads, like through Meta. And um, so I feel like I've got a few things to talk about and hopefully I can provide some insight today. But yeah, running agencies, man, you know, it it cuts you a certain way. But one thing I will say before we move any further, Ben, is for terms of like an apprenticeship and business, I can't think of much better things and running an agency and building it from scratch because not only do you experience the whole life cycle of everything in business whether that be sales finances operations you know resourcing hiring whatever else you also experience that in everyone else's business that you work with so it's like you know you just get so much exposure so fast yeah. And it is a lot of eating, I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, but it is a lot of eating shit all mm. the time. But at the end of the day, it hardens you up and yeah. it gets you ready for business. And that's what I love about agency life. Although, having said that, I don't want to be here forever. So hopefully when we're having this conversation uh, in five years time, then I'm not in an agency, but we'll see where that goes anyway. I'm I'm starting to ramble, so please cut me up. And no, no, it's good. It's good because it's, it is interesting, you know, because there are different dynamics involved. And I had a guest on a few weeks ago, and we talked about how actually there are opportunities for uh, you know both sides of that spectrum. If you really master something in e-commerce you know, there's so much opportunity to then take that and make money on the agency side by offering those skills to people that need it but there's also the same you know aspect that you talked about for some people coming into e-commerce sounds great but they're scared about getting started maybe don't have the startup capital needed and actually learning the ropes inside an agency is a great way to learn the skill set to be able to then go and do some great stuff uh, you know a guy i follow um danny buck he's got the uh, brand crafted it's like a big jewelry brand he's pretty um, you know big on social media and he that's what he talked about he worked in an agency for a number of years before he ever built his own brand and it's actually what he learned in that agency that kind of accelerated that path people I think so often want to get started as soon as possible but actually uh, by learning is that old um, Abraham Lincoln quote isn't it you know if I had six hours to chop down a tree I'd spend the first yeah, four chop, uh, sharpening the axe and I think that's what an agency environment could do it could be like uh, sharpening the axe before you get into it. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, we can definitely use that quote and relate that back to Facebook ads because that's where most people go wrong, especially e-commerce brands. They try to start running ads without yeah. sharpening the axe, and the axe yeah. in this case is the strategy and the foundation and what they actually need to get in place and who should run ads and who shouldn't run ads. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, there's a lot of sharks in this space, especially on the agency side. Because the barrier to entry, unfortunately, that's the only you know caveat to this, is you only need a Wi-Fi and a laptop pretty much to get into the agency game. It's not like there's any certification. And I think obviously over the rise of all these e-commerce brands in the last few years, 
they don't know any better, right? So they just get pitched by these marketing agencies who have all these incredible case studies, which usually it's just a one-off lottery ticket yeah. and it has no relevance to that company. And obviously they go for it and then they get a bad taste in their mouths. And that obviously leaves the rest of us, you know, people who actually care, want to help these brands who actually know about business, having a hard time to try and sell, obviously, the brands I'm working with an agency. Right. Um, it can work out, but in terms of the actual strategy itself, you have to know what you're doing because you can lose money. It's like gambling. You can lose money real fast because yeah. honestly, do you think Facebook, Google and TikTok care? about if you you know go out of business and spend all of your money no they're own, only in it for themselves yeah. so you need to understand the the rules of the game and how you sharpen your, the axe before you start yeah. playing yeah definitely and that's what i'd love for you to help us understand is those sure. dynamics in play right now because you know, i'll be honest i haven't run, run a facebook ad in probably two years uh you know when the whole pixel stuff went mad i just uh you know kind of got a bit sick of it and uh you know i'd, I'd run i'd probably spend like not loads but 50 100 grand maybe on, on facebook ads over the years and so enough to know that around the platform but having not touched it in a couple of years i feel like i'm so uh out of the loop and i think a lot of our audience will be you know, a lot of them would sell on Amazon and they're so used to Amazon bringing in the traffic for yeah. them. This whole idea of having to pay for customer acquisition is <laughs> just alien, right? And so I think yeah. uh, you helping us understand what is the dynamic, what is the climate right now for Facebook ads for e-commerce? General question. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And obviously for those people who do focus on Amazon brands, let's just be real for a second it's going to be more expensive to acquire customers through your own methods, whether that's Facebook, whatever channel you use, and drive them into a Shopify or whatever your ecosystem or platform is. It's going to be more expensive to do that. But the caveat to that is that you own the data, and we'll get into why first-party data is so important. And more importantly, I'm sure a lot of people are aware of this, investors obviously see the returns on that and your multiples from your company are going to be a lot higher if you own the data long term. So yes, it is a more expensive cost, but there are a lot of benefits to it and there is a way of doing it right. So yeah, I mean, I was talking to one of our clients actually a few weeks back and he used to, in 2018, used to run like half a million a month a big brand in Canada, and he used to just slap up images in Canva. This was at the height of Facebook ads. And he used to just like slap up in images in Canva, really basic things, and just run it to the homepage and get like 6x return on his money. <laughs> you know, that's just not possible anymore. Yeah. And the reason why that was possible, just so everyone knows, and this is, this is the, the whole thing around is Facebook ads dead, this is what people don't understand. There was a huge supply and demand opportunity where there was obviously everyone was using the platform, Facebook and Instagram, which, by the way, to just settle a few myths here, there's still 2.5 active billion users. Like people still use Facebook, yeah. contrary to what a lot of people think. But it's not as new as it was. And more importantly, as well as all the competition flooding in, the big players, like the real big players, were dumping all of their money into digital. They were still focusing on the old methods like TV, radio, whatever else. And I've seen some digital budgets. It used to be like 5%, and we're talking like five, six years ago, some of these big like billion dollar corporations, 
and now they're like 40, 45%, 50% of their entire budget's getting slammed into digital, yeah. which what does that mean? That means obviously because all of these platforms are auction systems, yeah. you basically bid to get into the newsfeed of your potential customer. If obviously more people are dumping in more money, that inflates the cost for everyone. Yeah. So that means overall it's a lot more expensive. So to combat that cost, you need to have a more strategic approach of how you do the advertising. Yeah. So we break it down into three main parts. There's, there's only three main levers that you can pull really on the Facebook ad side of things. Yeah. Firstly, you've got the creative side, which is getting more eyeballs to your website for cheaper. So it's, you know, your cost per click. The second thing is, is converting that traffic on your website, turning those clicks into eyeballs, you know, into uh, purchases rather. Yeah. And then the third thing is increasing the profit. And that's where you increase how much people are spending when they reach checkout, which is your average order value. Yeah. So they're pretty much the three levers you can pull. And that's kind of like the approach of how we see all of our advertising. And there's, yeah. you know, very specific things that you can focus on. And I'm happy to talk about for all three of those things. Yeah. And then yeah. outside of that, the last thing I'll say is that if you can't retain your customers after you brought them in, then you haven't got a business. So yeah. we don't focus on retention ourselves. Well, you know, I'm talking about email and SMS, but ultimately, you know, we have some like great partners on the retention side. If you can't keep that customer buying your product, like obviously Amazon do because everyone's on Prime and they keep people in that ecosystem, mm -hmm. then it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a very hard way to figure out the unit economics. Yep. Because ultimately, the more you can spend on the front end to acquire a customer, coming back to that whole auction system, the more competitive you can be. So it basically comes down to a game of unit economics. So if I buy a customer for $50 and I know over the next 12 months, they're going to spend $500 at my company, I'm now willing to spend $150 to acquire that customer. Yeah. But if I know that that customer is only going to give me $50 and never spend with me again, that becomes very hard. And the thing is that people, people don't think about is the cost of advertising is only going in one direction. It's only going that way up if people yeah. uh, listen to the audio version. <laughs> yeah. So you need to get, you know, your lifetime value numbers. And ideally, and that's why we tend to work with skincare supplement CBD brands, is you want to have products that people can keep buying. And that's why you need to release more SKUs, more variations. And a lot of these products on Amazon are fantastic for that. Um, but you need to try and get people on subscription. But go in with that mindset. You're acquiring people not just for now, but for the next few years, because that's how you be, build a real business. Yeah. Uh, but I can talk about the specific strategies uh, for the Facebook side. There's yeah. just so much. There's so it's so complicated and yeah, dense. Yeah, so I don't know where you want to drive the conversation. Yeah, but. Definitely, there's. You know, we could talk about this for hours. But I do want to yeah. try and get the bird's eye view of each of those stages, just for for those uh, for our listeners. But I think that what you do highlight is a, is a very real issue for people in e-commerce that come in and think, oh, selling products online, this is like a great little side hustle. And it's become less and less a side hustle and just a little uh, amateurish thing. And 
become something that you really do need to commit to doing well. And I think that, like I said, especially Amazon sellers, we have been guilty of neglecting the idea of customer acquisition. But even on Amazon, the costs of advertising are getting more expensive. And so you, most sellers need to come around to the idea that Amazon advertising itself, you know, PPC on Amazon is uh, customer acquisition as well. And unless you actually do the hard yards of building a real business, which is, you know, a good product, um, you know, good marketing to then have more products that you can then sell a person, uh, you know, it's going to become harder and harder to build a profitable business. So I think these things that you highlight are just obviously so essential um, for, for all sellers. So it's really, you know, really good to know. But yeah, these three phases uh, that you talked about, the, yeah. the first one, obviously the creative and, and yes. you know, getting the lowest cost per click possible. I was, I was interested to hear you say that because obviously everyone talks about how with Facebook ads, creative is key, especially in recent couple of years. That's all I see, yeah. you know, now the pixel issues, it's all about having good creative. How does this though actually uh, affect your cost per click or your, your the price you're paying in the auction? Because surely uh, Facebook isn't measuring the quality of your creative against the other people bidding on this same uh, Facebook it, it, ad. It, 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 it is. Really? So yeah, you, this is how you need to think about it. Facebook make their money by having people staying on the platform for longer. And how are they going to do that? Because obviously then they advertise them, right? The better the customer experience is, the better, the longer people are going to stay on the platform, which means the more money Facebook make, because obviously there's longer, you know, to advertise to people. Yeah. So the more they can monetize them. And the reason why the user experience has improved with better content is because let's say that I have, I'll give you a prime example. So we were of a brand called Eczema Honey. Obviously, they sell products, skincare products for people who have eczema. I personally suffer from eczema. So if I go on to the Facebook platform and I'm scrolling through, like, I don't know what I'm doing, looking at cat photos, <laughs> whatever it might be. Or, you know, sharing something about Man City beating Man United. <laughs> but let's just say I'm going through my, my feed and I come across an ad and it talks specifically about eczema. It's from someone that resembles someone like myself, maybe a guy in his 30s, for example, in this situation, who maybe is an entrepreneur. And he's talking about how he's working a really hard life trying to build a business, maybe a marketing agency. Like you think about how specific I'm getting here and how that with the struggles of this, he doesn't find the time to take care of his skin and to combat that. And with these flare ups, he's found this natural solution so he doesn't have to use steroids anymore. Again, that's a pain point of people who have eczema, a really strong pain point. So now he's got his natural solution and here's a product that has half a million reviews. You know, you can get a buy one, get one free discount today, blah, blah, blah. Now for me, that is so specific. I go to click to that website. That's a, that's a really good user experience for me. So the point is with the content, what you need to do is do more research. And you know, you have to understand your buying personas. So in this actual example for that brand, Eggs and Honey, we found from doing all of our research and, you know, the way we do research is we look at the product reviews, we look at the language that the customers are using. By the way, for an Amazon customer, fantastic. All of the information that you need is all in your reviews. You can use tools to extract that and see the pain points 
you know, the common words that people are using and extract the pain points, the objections, the stories that are overcoming. And you can really nail down and find your buying personas. For this example, we found out it was mothers who have children who have eczema. So what we did is we went out into the marketplace and found mothers who have children who have eczema and we sent them products. We wrote them a script a, a transformation story about how these products had helped them. Like we actually gave them the products and they used them. So it was all authentic. Mm. And then they recorded a video around it. And obviously we used a few things like psychology, like social proof, whatever else. We made it authentic. So it looked like an organic video for Facebook. We put that up into Facebook and over, I think it's like eight to nine weeks, that one video has done $200,000 in revenue on Facebook wow. for that wow. brand. Yeah, so yeah. that's the power of creating something so specific, which again, it aligns with what Facebook are all about, which is providing a really good customer experience. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how you win at Facebook. You touched there on um, user-generated content, UGC, and yeah. that's something, again, <clears throat> excuse me, that gets talked about a lot. Um, and I, do, I don't want to go too uh, sort of timely on stuff because otherwise this podcast gets outdated in yeah. three months when the algorithm changes and there's a new tactic. Sure. But on the whole, uh, the, the, the kind of creative that... Uh, does do that it highlights the pain points it speaks to the person you know the yeah. target customer what what does that look like is it more uh is it, is it less uh, sort of polished or is that something that changes all the time so here's the interesting part to this ben is that a lot of people talk about it needs to be authentic mm. and it needs to not look like an ad yeah they're right but the thing is is we've got data we've run like 100 million dollars in ads now so we we know the data behind what creative works and what doesn't the ones that are scripted always outperform the ones that don't and the reason why that is is because until we become robots human psychology is not going to change so, you know, things like pain points, things like scarcity, things like social proof, if you don't bait these into your scripts, then it's unlikely that you're going to be able to outcompete that. Now, obviously, you need someone who's charismatic and has a way of communicating that in an authentic way. But what we do is we write out all of the scripts and I can give you, you know, a bit of a format but then we find the right person for that script. We give them the script, show them how to record it. And then obviously we kind of let them do their thing. But it's about having that framework in place. Now, one of the most important things that you might have heard this, you know, trigger word thrown about is the hook. The first three seconds. Yeah. Now, again, you've got to imagine someone scrolling down their Facebook feed or TikTok, whatever it is. You've probably seen it yourself. You probably do it every day then. You know, you're scrolling down it like a... Mm really it's almost like a slot machine you know these people are like almost like gamblers they're looking for that hook like what is it that's going to capture my attention usually trying to distract themselves from whatever's going on in their life so we need something that captures their attention within that first two to three seconds and it doesn't even have to be completely related to the product it just needs to be something kind of wild that gets her attention, a scroll stopper. Yeah. Then after that, you need to obviously blend it into what the product does. So you can then talk about, you know, the benefits 
of the product and showing the product in the customer's hands. But it's important to remember that with the attention spans that there are these days, and if you look at someone who's at the top of the content game like Mr. Beast, what you'll see very evidently if you really slow it down and start looking at things bit by bit is the transitions. Yeah. What these creators do is every like two seconds, they switch frames. And this is not by a mistake. This is to keep catching your attention because humans are like extremely visual creatures. Like our, you know, our, our like, you know, the, the eyes in terms of our senses is by far the most powerful sense out of all of our senses. So we're detecting things subconsciously that, and that's what keeps our attention. So we need to feed that part of our brain. So, you know, the hook, the first two seconds, then it's like showing, um, you know, the, the product in their hand. And then it might be transitioning to a part of the story. And every single two seconds, even though the transitions need to be seamless, you need to keep switching and keep hooking that attention in. So the, the two main metrics we look at when we're reviewing videos is one, the hook ratio, how many people watch the first three seconds of a video. And we found that if between 30 and 40% watch the first three seconds, you're usually gonna have an ad which goes viral. And then the second one is a retention rate. Cause it's all good and well, you know, getting people's attention, but if you can't hold that attention, then obviously you're not gonna get them interested to go and click through to your website, right? So what we're looking for there in terms of retention of the whole video is usually between 15 and 20%. If we can get those two things in place, usually we'll have a really strong video ad which crushes it on the conversion side, as long as obviously the landing page we're sending it to is congruent with the ad that they've just seen. Yeah, yeah which is a great segue into that, because obviously, like you say, creative is massive. It's gonna attract people, it's gonna get the click, but when, once they get there, as you said, uh, it's not just the job of the ads to sell the product. There's a stage beyond that, which yeah. sounds like you're driving them to custom-built landing pages, is it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So this is another way, again, with the rise of advertising costs that you can combat You know that, that rise in advertising costs. And that it is by having a better customer journey. So yeah. I think it's important for people in terms of the mindset to think of it like this. The job of the ad is to generate curiosity and the objective is to get a click. That's it. There isn't anything else. The job of the landing page is to sell people on why they should now buy that product. Now, if you think about it, think about that ad that I just talked about, you know, children who have eczema and we're selling to those mothers. So we've got a mother now talking on camera about how this product has solved her kid's eczema. And obviously that mother herself who's looking at that ad has a kid who has eczema. They click through to a landing page. What does the headline say straight away? So you've got two options here. We can do what most people do, and this is what works you know, in 2017, which is drive it to a generalized product page which talks about you know, skincare and how it can help solve people's eczema. Or we can drive it to a custom-built landing page which literally the first headline talks about how this product is saving, you know, children's eczema and how it can save a child's eczema in X amount of time frame. But that is so specific. Yeah. So, and it's, again, it's all about that user experience because ultimately, sure, you get three seconds when someone's watched the ad, but when you, they go to the website, 
you've only get another three seconds again. So you have to hook them back in. The hook of obviously the landing page is the headline. And that's where it needs to be specific. And then you start expanding down into the other areas of, you know, sales. So if you think back to like the principles, I always go back to Robert Cialdini. Um, he's got a great book of, you know, you're a marketer and you don't know it, called Influence. Probably the best marketing sales book I've ever read in my life. And it's all the core principles of there, you know, like scarcity and social proof and authority. And they're all baked into this page. So a few of the things, you know, we usually do is <clears throat> we have a storytelling section where in this example, the founder of that company, his name's Manesh, he actually created the product for his own children to solve their eczema. So obviously that's like a really heartfelt thing that people can buy into. Uh, before and after photos are really good. You know, what was before life like and after talking about the product benefits, very visual, you know, images and videos that we include in the page talking about what's actually in the product, the fact that they're natural and they don't have to put steroids on again, talking about the pain points and putting um, authority figures in there, whether it's, you know, let's just say it's a dermatologist in that space that everyone would know. And then obviously trusted badges, if they've been featured in a magazine that everyone knows about, you know, obviously like you can do a general one like Forbes or whatever it might be, you need to put that in there. And then one of the most important ones, obviously the social proofing side, Really, what you want to do is have the specific number of product reviews. And if you've obviously got that number from Amazon or whatever, put that right at the top of the page. So for this brand, they've had like 500,000 reviews. So we literally put that right at the top of the page, which instantly gives so much authority. That's and then cool. as you go down the page, having images or ideally videos of customers, you know, a Rolodex of customers talking about how, you know, their life is before and after and the transformation they've been through. And then the other thing you can include is like an FAQ section. And then the last thing that's really important when I talked about those three levers, one being creative, the other being conversion, which we've got those two now. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is you've paid a certain amount of money to get someone to that website. If you increase the amount of money that they now spend on your website, that's pretty much all profit. So that's where we do things to increase the average order value. So on this page, what we'll often do, let's just say in this, we're going back to this example, the skincare product, we'll give some bundling options. Yep. So, you know, giving them the option to buy more and get a discount. So, you know, let's just say there's on the left-hand side, you can buy one. On the middle, you can buy two, like two or three for a specific discount, and then you can buy six for another bigger discount. Mm -hmm. This massively increases the average order value by literally doing that on its own, bundling products, is like 10 to 15% increase straight away. And then the other thing is, once they go through to the checkout, we use apps. Most of our brands use Shopify. There's a really good app called Rebuy, Mm -hmm. And essentially, that will then give them an option to buy a complimentary product at checkout. And you can do things like incentivize. If you spend $75, for example, you get free shipping. And you can gamify the checkout experience, yeah. which increases the average order value, which increases your profit margins. Which yeah. means, if we go back to the auction system, you can now spend more in the auction 
because obviously you've got higher average order value, so it means you can spend more to acquire the customer. So it's all about just pulling these different levers with your economics so you can spend more to acquire the customer. But hopefully that kind of makes sense. Just wrapping all of that up, you know, having a very, very specific creative on a very specific demographic for one product, sending it to a very specific product page, which expands on what you've talked about in that creative, which now sells them on the product, and then making sure you give them options to buy more of the product and gamify the checkout experience so they'll spend more to increase your profit margins. So you're saying if someone's sending traffic just to a product page, home page, category page, they're not going to make it? They can, but it's, it's not, it's not, I mean, there's brands still doing it. But the thing is, is since obviously, you know, iOS 14 and whatever else, and it's come a lot more competitive. Yeah. So many brands have cut back on their Facebook spend. It's like how much money are you leaving on the table by not doing it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So you talked there about the, um, you know, the, the, the different metrics of engagement with the creative. Are yeah. there other KPIs you're looking at in terms of what's going to make a successful advertising funnel, you know, different um, average order value metrics, different conversion rate metrics? Yeah. What are some of the things you can give us there? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So in terms of the conversion side, uh, what we tend to look at is add to cart rate, checkout rate, and then you know how many people from checkout actually buy the product and then also bounce rate. So in terms of some benchmarks to throw some out there, bearing in mind, take this with a, a massive pinch of pink Himalayan salt because we work you know, with one industry and it's always different. So like I said, take a pinch of salt, but these are some good benchmarks. Bounce rate, and again, if you have a very high bounce rate, you're losing so much money. And the way you get around that is by having a faster, you know, loading website. We use Webflow for all of ours, which are really, you know, fast and they're optimized for mobile. And um, but if sorry, you're bound, if you're, yeah, sorry, go on. Quickly, because that, so you're hosting them off Shopify. Yeah, but we so integrate like back into Shopify. Yeah, it just it's a lot faster doing it like that. Okay. Cool. So in terms of bounce rate, anything above 20%, you're probably going to have issues. So you don't want it to be above 20%, the bounce rate. In terms of add to cart rate, you should be looking between 10 and 15%. In terms of checkout rate, around the 50% mark. Then in terms of how many people from checkout then buy the product, you want to be looking at 50 and 75%. So there's some you know like high-level metrics in terms of what we look at for the funnel stages. And obviously, what we ultimately do, Ben, is when we audit a brand, we reverse engineer the entire funnel. We look where it's leaking, whether it be creative or conversion, and we just optimize there. Because I think a lot of the brands, the problem is, is they're trying all these different strategies they hear about. But actually, if they had a marketer that looked at their specific funnel, it would probably be best to just invest resources here. And maybe their creatives are actually pretty good. They just need to, I don't know, increase their add to cart rate by 20%. And then all of a sudden they start making twice as much money. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Are you looking for any specific return on ad spend? We don't really tend to focus on ROAS anymore. So the, the problem with ROAS is it doesn't take into account cross-customer journeys. So let's say that someone on Facebook 
you know, sees your product, which again, you got to think about the psychology. They're going there to hang out with friends. They're not going there to buy products. And then two weeks later, they go and research your product through Google. And then they go and buy the product through a Google ad. Now, if you look at just ROAS on single channel attribution basis, what it's going to show is that Google was responsible for that purchase. But that's not the reality of what's happened. So actually, the North Star, the metric that we tend to focus on, and this is what most of the big e-commerce brands have now switched to, is something we called MER, which is Marketing Efficiency Ratio. An easy way to think about it is just blended ROAS. It's basically all of your marketing budget versus all the revenue you get back, because that's where you can get more efficiency and you can understand cross-customer journeys, because ultimately... Facebook is going to be the main scaling platform where you'll spend more money, but Google will often be a higher return because it's more intent-based. It's further down the funnel, just like Amazon's going to be a higher return. And that's something else to speak about for the Amazon side of things, just whilst we're on that. We often see that when we start the Facebook ads, you get a big spillover onto Amazon because ultimately you've got to think about that customer journey. And again, for the listeners out there, if yeah. you see a product on Facebook, probably what is the first thing you're going to do? You're probably going to go to Amazon and check it out, right? Yeah. Just like if you were in, in a retail store, you probably do the same, see if you can get it yeah. cheaper. Well, a lot of our brands do that, but they have top listings on Amazon. So sure, they're spending it on Facebook, but they know that they're going to buy the products on Amazon. So, you know, it's all about understanding the entire ecosystem. Yeah. And whilst when things are a lot cheaper, people just focus on specific attribution channels, that actually was never the right way to do it. The thing is, is it was just so easy that you didn't yeah. need to do it from a, an overall macro standpoint. Yeah. But now you do need to do that. So yeah. it's about looking at everything um, from a blended perspective. Mm. That's how we, that's our North Star. Yeah, and you do, you make an interesting point. I think any brands that would be listening that maybe aren't yet selling on Amazon and just are D2C at the moment, I think I've seen so many D2C brands that have in the past said, oh no, we're not gonna sell on Amazon, just exclusively D2C, but realize how much uh, revenue they're missing out on just because of the branded search, like you say, that people will see an ad. And, and it's not just a price, you mentioned cheaper pricing. For me, it's a convenience, right? I'll see something yeah, that I want to get and I won't be like thinking, can I save a dollar or $2 here or great British pounds? Um, I'll be thinking, I want it delivered tomorrow. I want free prime shipping and I want to know I can return it if it's broken, you know that. And Amazon yeah. gives me all of those things at the click of a, so if, yeah. if you are a brand that's generating a lot of searches online and you're not selling on Amazon, you're probably missing out on a lot of just branded search, right? Actually, even worse than that, you're paying to basically educate customers mm. and then for your competitors. Because if you don't advertise on Amazon, what's going to happen is you pay to put an ad on Facebook. Again, what are you doing? You're spiking curiosity, you're educating them, you're, you're getting that first touch point. If they then go to Amazon and your competitors top listed... You've basically just paid to get them further down that customer journey. So you're basically paying for your competitors to grow faster on Amazon. Yeah, crazy, crazy. <laughs> you talked a lot about, um, you know, obviously supplement brands, um, replenishables. Are there any things that maybe we should just before we finish address that maybe are different if someone doesn't have a brand that sells, um, you know, replenishable goods? It's just it's more about retention, like I said. Yeah. You know, how can you continue, how can you get 
your customers to keep spending money with you. Because if you can't do that, you're going to have a very hard time scaling your business. The biggest thing that investors look at from a D2C standpoint, as well as like margins and everything else, is lifetime value to customer acquisition cost. Mm -hmm. And a healthy ratio, just for anyone out there who doesn't know, is three to one. So, you know, the amount people spend over the lifetime they're with you being three, then, you know, to the amount that you acquire that customer being one. If you can expand that ratio so you can get like a five to one because you have, you know, really good retention marketing because maybe you have a community on the back end and people want to be there. Again, using that example of the eczema brand, they've got a Facebook group, like 15,000 people. People aren't just part of that brand because of the products. They're there socializing with each other. So it becomes, you know, part of the experience. They're creating their own ecosystem. So Amazon have their ecosystem. It's about how can you create your own ecosystem where people have that experience. And there's lots of different things you can do. You know, brands have got very innovative. If it's, for example, I talked to a brand the other day, this is a crazy idea, but I think it's really smart that for all of their packers, when they send out the products, they include a handwritten note and a picture of the person who packed the product. And honestly, it might sound like a lot of work, but those guys, I think, have something like a, like, it's something ridiculous, like 40% of the people or 30% of the people who buy like one product buy again within 30 days. And they, the people like, obviously the word of mouth marketing is insane off that because no one's doing that. And then people post about it on social media. So that's just like one little thing, but it's about the experience. It's about how can you create your own system and ultimately what that will result in is increasing your lifetime value so you have a brand because that's what a brand is at the end of the day the reason why you know starbucks i'll give you an example here because this always blows my mind can spend so much on marketing is because when everyone when people walk into a starbucks for the first time on average their lifetime value is ten thousand dollars for every single person that walks into a starbucks i actually think it's close to fifteen thousand you're joking yeah (laughs) You can check it out, Google it yourself, but it's a true stat. And, you know, is there any reason that Starbucks can spend all this money on marketing? Because they've got a proper brand. They know how much people spend on their products. And obviously, you're not going to be Starbucks, but even if you have that ratio, like three, five to one, and you can create that ecosystem, that's what investors want to look at. And that's where you can start getting, you know, really exciting with these numbers. And ultimately, that's when front end, you'll have more cash to then dump into scaling faster with paid acquisition. Yeah. Man, that's yeah, super insightful. I've heard that also Starbucks, they have uh, this huge arbitrage in the amount of money that are on gift cards. You know, that they've collected hundreds of millions in cash. Uh, yeah, it's not spent for X amount of time, and it's just a crazy, crazy. Anyway, it's kind of off. Topic. There's all sorts of weird loopholes in these yeah. systems that you figure yeah. out. Uh, but yeah, you, you got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> Listen, this has been super insightful. Obviously, uh, it's, it's clear that you spend your, you know, your your working hours really uh, invested in this stuff. Where can people find out more about you? What you guys do if they want to learn a bit more? Yeah, sure. So uh, LinkedIn is actually I didn't really think that this is going to take off 
Um, but at the time recording, like in the last few months, I went from like seven to 30,000 followers just by posting every single day on LinkedIn, right. every weekday. And I talk about, you know, insights of what we do for our clients and how we're building this agency, you know, behind the scenes. And yeah, so if you just Google Nigel Thomas LinkedIn or Nigel Thomas Alpha Inbound, I should be there. And I'd love to be able to connect with everyone, even if you're not a brand or if you are. Send me a connection. I love talking to entrepreneurs and let's have a back and forth conversation. Awesome, man. Yeah, well, we'll leave a link in the show notes, uh, the description on YouTube as well for people to uh, to connect with you there. We, we really appreciate you taking the time out and as, uh, as you promised at the start, dropping these golden nuggets. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no worries. Well, all the best of the, the season at Man United and I hope it brings you more misery, Ben. But I do really appreciate you bringing me on today and you're doing great things for this podcast. I'm excited to see where it goes. Thanks, man. Up, Eric's Reds. Let's go. We'll see. Um, I'm, I'm far more confident that you guys are going to get more value out of this than Man United are going to finish above Man City because that's just not happening. But anyway, if you do feel sorry for me, please like this video on YouTube, <laughs> subscribe on the podcast. And uh, thanks for joining us on this episode. It's been another great episode. And we'll be back same time next week. Take care.